It's Sunshine's Becky Gazeal here. Yes, and don't worry. If you missed us, well, that's why you're here, to catch up on the good stuff. Sunshine here with Beck and Gazelle, and it is time for Faithful Fridays. Faith, Faithful Fridays? Tell me more. Welcome to the show, Abby Spinelli from Astralind. How are you doing, Abby? I am doing really well, thank you. Thank you for inviting me on. No, it's always a pleasure hearing these incredible stories of faith. So I guess let's get straight into it. Where did your story start? Okay, so um, my story started in April last year, and uh, my family of four, that's my husband. And my two children, who were 9 and 12 at the time, and myself, we all contracted COVID within days of each other. On the fourth day, I started experiencing very concerning symptoms, including extreme weakness, pins and needles in my limbs, and um, heaviness in my legs. So after a tele-appointment with a doctor, my husband was told to drive me straight to Bunbury Hospital and that there would be staff there waiting for me. So my last memory is um, of my husband having to drop me off outside the hospital. They had a wheelchair waiting for me. They had staff in full PPE gear. Um, My husband couldn't come into the hospital with me as he had COVID himself. So, yeah, he had to leave me there. And little did we know that that was the last time that we would see each other for two weeks. What? Um, So within hours of, of being admitted to Bunbury Hospital, it was established that my heart was under attack. My feet and hands were extremely cold and I had a fainting episode. They'd run a whole stack of blood tests and found that my levels of troponin, which is a protein released into your blood after heart damage, and normally um, anything above 40 indicates a probable heart attack, and um, my levels were up to 7,000. Oh. I knew that yeah, something very serious was going on with my heart. I was given medication and monitored in ICU overnight. By early the next morning, things were going downhill very badly. They established that the left ventricle of my heart was going into heart failure. And um, so I was then diagnosed with cardiogenic shock. And that's like a life-threatening emergency when your heart can't pump enough blood and oxygen to the brain and your other organs. So, yeah, very serious. Yeah. So uh, by now, the decision had been made to fly me to Fiona Stanley Hospital. So preparations started being made for that. So during all of this time, my husband was back at home. He wasn't allowed at the hospital because he had COVID himself. So... He was having to receive all these um, rapidly escalating updates over the phone. Oh. Yeah, so yeah, he you know dropped me off, thinking that I'd probably be home the next morning, and now he's being told I'm being flown to Perth. So I was due to be flown to Perth mid-morning, but that was delayed by a couple of hours because my condition started to, to go downhill further. So I had episodes of fainting and, and VT, which is uh, like a fast, abnormal heart rhythm. Right. So that they put the um, shock pads onto my chest. And I, I will add here that I actually don't remember any of this. Oh, so wow. this whole thing, yeah, I'm sort of sharing from learning about it over the months after I came out of hospital. Yeah. Right. So I lost consciousness while they were trying to put me onto the ambulance trolley. And so they knew that it was now looking very risky to even fly me to Perth. But they contacted Fiona Stanley and the decision was made that there was no other option to keep me at Mumbry. I needed to get to Perth. I did make it to Perth and I was transferred to Fiona Stanley and it was um, quickly decided once I was there that I needed to be put on ECMO. So ECMO, which we knew nothing about before this time, but now know a lot about, is the highest level of life support. Oh, wow. Um, So it involves a machine that replaces the function of your heart. Right. Um, to allow your heart to completely rest and recover. So it's only used for the most critically ill of patients because it has a lot of serious side effects. 
mm. and the survival rate on ECMO is only 40 to 50 percent. Right. Um, so it's really not a decision that's made lightly. We found out later on that last year they put 12 people on this machine over the full year. By now, um, there was a prayer chain that was growing that we later found out went into the thousands. So um, what, what so, happened yeah. next? Because obviously, you know, yeah. you, we seem like, you know, we listen to you, your voice and you, you seem Sound like you're doing okay, a lot better. Yeah. Um, so how did you get there? <laughs> so basically, they were monitoring me every day. Ideally, you, you won't be on the ECMO machine for more than a couple of days. But by day four of being in the induced coma on ECMO, I still remained critical. I only had a very small improvement. On day four, when I was still not responding, the doctors performed a, a biopsy on my heart tissue. They were trying to test for particular types of inflammation to rule out you know, other things and, and just try and explore why I wasn't responding after, you know, after four days. So that was a very risky operation because you know, my heart was so diseased and I was in such a critical condition and they had to move all of the equipment the ECMO machine, everything that I was on in the coma, down to be able to do the surgery. And then on the fifth morning, so this was now Thursday, I've been flown to Perth on the Saturday, this is now the following Thursday, the doctors decided to run more tests to see if my heart was any stronger because the concern over these high risks of being on ECMO, you know, longer term, you know, were increasing as I I wasn't responding. And so, you know, on that day, my husband, he actually kept a journal while I was in the, you know, um, as his way of processing things, but also he was determined that he was going to give me that journal when I came home. You know, he wrote that he felt a very strong sense of urgency on that day that these tests, you know, had to show a significant improvement. Otherwise, yeah, I'm now on day five and and not responding and the, Mm. you know, the situation is becoming really dire. And then, you know, it's incredible. So that evening, the ICU intensivist um, phoned my husband um, and said that my heart had recovered to 50%. Um, and that was now enough for them to try taking me off the ECMO life support the next day. Oh, wow. So I've gone from just, you know, very minimal response yeah. um, to them going, yeah, we're going to try this tomorrow. You know, the need to get me off was, was now great enough. That's awesome. Um, so that was an incredible answer to prayer. So that my husband was told that even if they were able to bring me off the ECMO life support the next day, that I'd likely still be in a coma and on a breathing machine for you know up to a week afterwards right you know he was prepared for that that it didn't automatically mean that i was you know out of the coma the next day the incredibly skilled medical team they performed surgery to repair the arteries that the ecmo tubes had you know been connected to and they brought me off the ecmo and one doctor told my husband that I'd flown off the ECMO machine. So, you know, a, a, an absolute success in, in bringing me off the ECMO. Yeah. My heart coped so incredibly well with them taking me off the ECMO machine that within hours, um, the ICU team had decided to bring me out of the coma oh, wow. and off the breathing machine. So I went from being, yeah, in, in a coma, on ECMO, on a breathing machine to within hours coming out of and off all three of those. I woke up in a strange room. It was a COVID isolation pod. After eight days, I had no wow. idea where I was, um, how I'd gotten there, how sick I'd been. It was, yeah, incredibly surreal. So when I was still in the coma, um, the doctors had told my husband that the general rule of thumb for recovery from ECMO is one week in hospital for every day 
spent on the ECMO machine. Wow. Right. Um, yeah, you know, I was on the ECMO machine for six days. So, you know, therefore, you know, I should have been on it for six weeks. Mm. The doctors had described me as being um, the most critically ill ICU patient at that time. So certainly the recovery of, of many weeks was mm. um, expected, you know, to reflect that. Not a time um, you want to hold on to. No, no, exactly. In those first 48 hours, they were, for me, for, for what I was aware of, the most difficult, which later on I realised was crazy considering what I'd been through for that week. But for me, being aware of it, you know, I still felt incredibly unwell and I was very impacted by the medication of being in the coma. But within days, my recovery was starting to amaze medical staff. So I'd gone from being, yeah, the sickest patient in ICU on ECMO to now breathing unassisted, wow. sitting up in bed, walking around my room, talking to medical staff, talking to my family via video call. You know, they were doing tests daily and that showed that my heart was recovering strongly. If it isn't already incredible, this is where it gets incredible, is though they had prepped my family that it would be, you know, six weeks in hospital, but so strong was my recovery that only six days after coming off the ECMO machine, and out of the coma, I was discharged from hospital. Whoa! That yeah. is mind-blowing. That's incredible. Praise God. What made the situation very unique was during this whole time, my husband um, and, and my family had not been able to come up and, and be with me. Mm. So they were very much balancing that, you know, um, need for me to be with my family. Um and they, they were not allowed to come in because I was still testing positive even though um, to COVID, even though um, just because I was so immunocompromised. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, that was a balancing act of getting me home to my family. But because I had recovered so incredibly that, I mean, that would not have been an option to discharge me had I not recovered, you know. So moving <laughs> forward now, so it's almost 12 months on, how are you yeah. doing? I'm doing incredibly, amazingly. I came out of... Being on ECMO so critically unwell, you know, I suffered no stroke, I suffered no failure of my organs, I have my limbs intact, so all of the major potential risks, you know, I, I was protected from. <laughs> my heart is doing fantastically. I'm, I'm power walking three and a half kilometres every morning. Um, I worked my way up to doing that, you know, yeah. when I was able to start strengthening my heart. So, yeah, it's it's. Absolutely incredible. Well, now, wow. now you're just showing off. Three yeah. and a half kilometres. Like Every morning. <laughs> <laughs> I do. I have to go up for cardiologist appointments and I do love being able to share that. I share that every opportunity I can. Oh. <laughs> so, so that came out of a necessity to say I will strengthen my heart. Yes. Oh, Abby, what an amazing faith-filled story you've shared with us. Yeah, sorry you had to go through it, but thank you so much for sharing it with the world. Beautiful story, Abby. Thank you so much. Abby Spinelli is from Australind. Thank you so much for sharing your Faithful Friday with us. Thank you very much for listening. We really hope you enjoyed that chat. It has been Sunshine's Beck and Gazeel. I think I enjoyed it more the second time. It was good. Left a nice taste in my mouth. We'll see you from three.